Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu. I'm a licensed marriage therapist in the state of Missouri and an ASEC certified sex therapist. You can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com. Today, I'm interviewing Michelle and Andy. Now, you guys are the co-owners of Shameless Grounds Coffee House, correct? We are indeed. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. So tell everybody, like, what is Shameless Grounds Coffee House? Because not everybody in St. Louis even, or in the world, because you never know who's listening. (laughs) (laughs) And I have an inflated sense of (laughs) self-worth. But (laughs) what is Shameless Grounds Coffee House? Uh, It's a sex-positive safe space. It's what we try to be anyway. Um, Typical coffee shop, sandwiches, soups. You know, uh, anything you'd expect to walk into, uh, uh, and anything you'd expect to see when you walk into a coffee shop. Um, and there is also a, well, what people call the porn library. Um, it's actually a human... I don't know if you see that at every coffee <laughs> shop, just to be fair. <laughs> That's an, it's an added bonus. Um, okay. It's more of a human sexuality library. Um, I think that's what draws a lot of students anyway. They, um, there's fiction, nonfiction, art books, reference books. We even have a kid's section. Um, pretty much any book that has something to do with the spectrum of human sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, Sex for kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what other? We've got non-monogamy books. We've got bondage books. We've got um, all different kinds of things. Some St. Louis authors that uh, that happen to write things about human sexuality. Um, Is it a library yeah. people can actually check books out of, or they have to keep them in the store? Depends on the section. Uh, it When we started eight years ago, you could check out anything. It's gotten to the point that um, anything about non-monogamy, anything about BDSM, and any book signed by the author can no longer be checked out because so many were stolen. Oh. Um, so those, you have to give us your driver's license and credit card to look at at the shop. Um, and you'll, those will be returned when you return our book. <laughs> Anything else you can check out for two weeks. I gotcha. I wonder why those were stolen so much. Maybe just really valuable books. Um, I think it's partly value and um, partly that people don't want to, I don't know, there's still the stigma of, oh, I bought a book about non-monogamy. I bought The Ethical Slut online. It'll be that'll be in my permanent record. I can't let anybody see that. So. We're a, a, I think we're a very uh, easy to approach uh, place to go uh, explore different kinds of sexuality and Newcomers come in and maybe I think they have just a little bit of shame or guilt left over about what they're looking at. And maybe they don't want to share what they really want to, the book that they want to take home. And so I think, yeah, sometimes they they get stuck in the purse or under the jacket. Well, it's not fair that like Amazon and Facebook tracks are every move. So you bought like one book and they're sending you all of the erotica that exists. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, wait, don't tell my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, so you said that you guys are also sex positive. So is it just the library portion that makes it sex positive? Or are there other things that you offer that are creating that sexual safe space? There's a, a number of things. Uh, the entire idea of the place was to be able to um, provide a space that was open for uh, all ethical sexualities. Anybody who's an adult and is uh, not hurting anyone else uh, to be able to express their sexuality. So um, we have discussion groups and book signings and um, uh, different meetings and um presentations and things. So there's all of that. Most of that during the day is just in the background. You, um, when, if you come in during a non-event, um, 
It's just like any other coffee shop with uh, students on their laptops and people chatting with friends and getting lunch. If you come in during an event, then you uh, see a different cross-section depending on what the event is. You may, um, you may come into the um, uh, Hitchin' Bitches, which is a, um, a meeting group for uh, female-identified rope tops. Okay. Uh, you may come in for hey, wait, a... Because not everybody knows what a female-identified rope top is. Could you just <laughs> give a definition? Sure. Uh, people who uh, enjoy um, especially Japanese rope bondage, but all forms of rope bondage, uh, and female-identified is kind of self-explanatory. Sure. And top is, uh, in BDSM terms, it is the person who generally does or provides the action of the, of the scene. So usually the person doing the tying... Mm-hmm. To someone else would be the top. So a female identified rope top or rigger, and they have a meeting for uh, for those folks in St. Louis. And it's at your shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what are the billions of kinds of meetings that people could find at your place? Because I've looked at the calendar. It's a very full calendar, actually. <laughs> we try to keep it pretty. <laughs> we try to keep it pretty full. Um, let's see. There's uh, discussion groups. Uh, along with the Hitchin' Bitches, as far as rope goes, there's a discussion group that meets once a month called the Rope Bite. Um, it's for anyone into rope bondage. Um, it, they usually don't do much practice other than maybe showing a few knots. Mostly it's discussion. It's all, let's just, you know, this is something we love. Let's all get together and talk about it. There's a discussion group called the Switches Symposium that is um, for anyone that identifies as a switch in the BDSM lifestyle. What's a switch? Um, a switch can be, uh, a switch is someone that is both dominant and submissive, both masochist and sadist. Um, they play the role of either top or bottom um, and switch back and forth between Sounds like them. a Gemini, actually. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the Geminis have like the two-faced sort of thing that's their like symbol. <laughs> It's basically a bunch of Geminis meeting together. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, I'm totally messing. You can be other than a Gemini and be a switch. <laughs> um, we've got the Queer Caucus. That's another discussion group. They meet once a month. Uh, anybody that identifies as queer. There's, um, let's see, we host a uh, lifestyle meet and greet once a month. We call it the Fourth Friday. For uh, lifestyle, are you talking about like... Um, swingers. Swingers, okay. Swinger lifestyle. Um, that one gets a little crazy. Um, but, what gets uh, so crazy? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of drinking, a lot of people there to meet other people in the lifestyle. So uh, it's a lot of fun. We we think of it a lot like a high school dance. Uh, when everybody comes in, the shop opens up for the for this event at uh, 6 p.m. Everybody comes in and they're sitting at their own little tables and they're not really talking to anybody else and they're casting around furtive glances at everybody. And then about three drinks in, somewhere around 8 p.m., all of a sudden... It's like someone spiked the punch at the high school dance, and they're all, Woo, <laughs> Everybody what? opens up and starts doing things. <laughs> all right, well, sounds good. So, like, how long have you guys had the business for? Uh, April 2nd will be eight years. Yep. Okay. Eight years since we opened. Well, so what are some of the things that have been rewarding about owning a sex-positive business? We have met so many people. Over the past eight years, not just not just customers, but uh, you know, a little bit of hero worship. Um, we got to meet Midori. We got to meet um, Molina. We got to meet Lee Harrington, um, Twisted Monk. I mean, we we've met so many different people that um, the We're two of us of, yeah, have known about since the- before we opened Shameless. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 
that's fun. Uh, as far as rewarding, I, I was just having a conversation with my dad the other day that when it gets really hard, which it does sometimes, you know, we just we we look at each other and maybe we should just close up. We always end up getting a message from someone or someone comes into the shop um, just to tell us that, you know, thank you. Um, like, thank you for existing. Thank you for existing. <laughs> thank you for providing people with the space that we do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, when that happens, for me anyway, it's always very rewarding because it's when I'm going through something terrible, that's when I hear that message. And so, yeah. People tell us uh, that they met at Shameless. We had uh, a couple who got married at Shameless because they met at Shameless. Um, we've had um, just uh, a huge uh, variety of people uh, come and just go, well, where has this been all my life? Mm-hmm. What would you guys say is the hardest part of running the business? Because, I mean, there's the good, but then there's the bad and the ugly, and we know we all have those stories. <laughs> There is always a fire to put out. There, there, there is never a time when there is not a fire. There is only times when the big fires have been tamped down and the little fires are manageable. Um, that's that's as calm as it gets. Well, I gotta be honest. I kind of feel like that's just being a human. To be fair, <laughs> I don't know if there ever isn't a fire you're managing. Like, what do you think, though, Michelle? I I think that's true. I think that's true. It is part of being human. Um, but I'm sure your fire is worse than others. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's on a different level. Um, Absolutely. Last year, I went through um, my mother being diagnosed with stage four cancer and being and passing away within a matter of six months. Um, while that was all going on, I still had a business to run. I still had employees that I needed to take care of and make sure that they were getting everything they needed. Um, you know, I still had relationships that I needed to maintain. Um, and uh, yeah, when you, it's hard enough just having your normal life when you mm-hmm. throw in the fact that you run a business and have people that depend on you, mm-hmm. it just makes everything even harder. Um, but that's when we get those rewarding days and get those messages from people. And yeah, I think one of the, one of the difficult things uh, for Shameless is that we are so small. There are only five or six of us there on the payroll at any given time. So if someone has a life event that comes up that is going to take all of their focus and attention outside of work, there's not a whole lot of other people to help pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only so many hours in the day and only so many people can cover so much. Um, so yeah, that gets, that gets trying when, you know, uh, medical issues happen or people get sick or it's, mm-hmm. you know, need a vacation. Someone's got to take up the slack and usually that ends up being us. <laughs> well, you're the owners, I'm assuming. Exactly. So that's- would you say it kind of feels like a family business then? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, we, uh, you know, we try to, and you know, like right now we have four employees. It's the two of us and four employees. Two are full-time, two are part-time. And, you know, we have to walk that fine line of being bosses and friends because we, we get to know our employees pretty well. We work with them, uh, you know, at least three days a week, each mm-hmm. employee. And, um, and yeah. I think that uh, I, I like to feel, I hope the employees feel, because I like to feel that we're all family. Um, you know, they know what's going on in our lives. We know what's going on in their lives. You know, we can tell when something's wrong 
um, you know, I walk in and I see a look on somebody's face and I can tell, all right, something's going on. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. So, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, how would you guys say that your lives have changed in terms, since you mentioned family and friends, like how have things changed actually with your family and friends since you guys have run this business? Because it's a very unique business to say the least. <laughs> and I don't know if you have supportive family or not. Some people are totally down and other people are like, you're opening a what? <laughs> uh, for me, my family, uh, there has been no uh, significant uh, interplay when it comes to the theme of the shop. Um, early on, just before we started, uh, I have two elder brothers. My my parents are, are gone, so I didn't have to worry about approval or disapproval from them. Um, but my uh, two elder brothers, when we opened the shop, just before we were uh, opened, while we were still in the planning stage, I sent a message over to my brother and I said, okay, you're going to hear about this sooner or later. So I'm going to put set them down. Yeah. <laughs> so gonna, you know. Got to... <laughs> Going to give you uh, the skinny up front here. It's a sex positive space, and this is what that means, and this is what's going to be. And so the least positive thing, uh, I got a uh, one-sentence reply to that email, and it was, thanks for the information, <laughs> which is just fine, which is just fine. I'm uh, You do you, sir. Yeah. With friends and family and anybody else, really, we're, I mean, uh, we're pretty much an open book, but my stance has always been, I will tell you whatever you would like to know, as long as you're sure you want to know it. Because once I tell you, I can't untell you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can use it as in the court of law against me, perhaps. <laughs> what about you? I mean, what was it like with your friends and family to opening up the shop? Um, my family totally fine with it. Uh, the saying in my family has always been that Michelle was never the normal one. Um, <laughs> What's normal? Yeah. So <laughs> you know, my parents and my brother both uh, just, okay, well, have fun. <laughs> if you need anything, we're here. Um, friends were kind of the same way. Um, yeah. We don't see most of our friends much anymore because we're always busy, but uh, but yeah. Um, That's one of the big downsides is the the loss of social structure uh, because of the business. Um, we have the standard food service industry loss of social structure because we no longer have weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, our time off is generally in the evenings on the weekdays and then other people have you know kids and work and stuff and uh, that's their time to relax before bed. And um, so yeah, there, it's a bit of a struggle maintaining friendships with folks who are, you know, standard nine to fivers. Mm-hmm. 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 I see. Well, you've got to have some interesting stories. Like, <laughs> what are some of the craziest or most interesting things that have ever happened in your eight years of business? <laughs> Nothing too crazy, right? Nothing, nothing too crazy. <laughs> I think the the one we were just laughing about it the other day, uh, right after we moved to the shop on Withnell, even though we've been there six years, we still call it the new shop. Um, we uh, We were getting ready to close, and <clears throat> someone started knocking on the kitchen windows. And we look out. And there is an older man standing at the kitchen window, you know, with his hands cupped around his eyes looking in (laughs) and realizes that someone's looking at him and he starts screaming, where do you keep the women? Where do you keep the women? And we had the windows closed, so we couldn't really hear him. So 
I oh, think goodness. I think Nathaniel ended up walking out the back door and asked him what he was looking for. I heard you all have women in there. Where do you keep them? <laughs> like in a corner? <laughs> like, oh, we keep them down in the basement in a little cage. Yeah. You know, we feed them twice a day. Well, that's um, the only safe way to contain a woman. That is true. That's <laughs> true. It's true. In a cage in a corner. You go to your cage, ma'am. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of weird. Li- that's that's the one that sticks in my head. But I, yeah, there have I've, been so many. <laughs> I've lost most of my filters. Um, I I don't use email very much anymore, but I used to have an office job where I emailed all the time, everybody. And so one of the things that you um, you just sort of know when you're working in a professional office environment is if there is something racy or saucy in this email you're sending, you put NSFW, not mm-hmm. safe for work. I, we'd been working at uh, Shameless for a couple of years, and my filters were completely gone because mm-hmm. you know I I work in a place where there's a different sort of um, hierarchy to sexual harassment. I, I everything is safe saw for most of I, I, <laughs> most of my employees have seen me naked. I have seen most of my employees naked, and it's not a big deal. Um, it was consensual. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's always consensual. <laughs> and. Um, so I, I sent something off to someone at their work that I found funny, and I completely realized 30 seconds after I sent it, I did not give them any warning, and I sent this to their work address, and what the heck am I doing? So I have to be careful sometimes out in public because my, my filters are at a different level than everybody else's because I deal with this stuff on a, on a daily basis. It, it, one of the interesting things uh, to me is that Going through life, a lot of um, a lot of Americans are hypersensitive to sexuality. We got the oh, yeah. Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover, and everybody, you know, it's very prevalent in our lives. But we're all kind of hush hush about it, and it's taboo a little bit. When you are around it for twelve hours a day, every day, and there are boobs on the wall and books about stuff and plaster casts of vulvas sitting atop the bookshelf, mm-hmm. you become immune to the titillation factor of it to some degree. Yeah, it loses it's, some of its sensitivity. Yeah. I actually understand that completely because I'm a sex therapist, right. right? So like all day I talk about <laughs> sex every day and so every now and then I'll still get a client who's like, is it okay to say vagina in here? And I'm like, oh my yes. God, you can say whatever you want. But like, I've lost a lot of my filters too. And I have like friends who will remind me, Angela, not everybody's comfortable comfortable talking about anal sex at a party. So you we're know, like, we're going to have to pull that back. In the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Like the things that throw me off now aren't the bigger, further out things. They'll be like little terms that are normal and almost vanilla that like people throw out. I'm like, wait, what's that? I've never heard of that before. <laughs> and they're like, well, you're a sex therapist. I know, but people are talking to me about much bigger things than this. What is this? <laughs> so it sounds like you guys have a similar experience since you're just immersed in sexuality yes. all day. <laughs> yes. And we become, uh, I don't know, we become, I think the, it's, we're a, we're a safe place that people come to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably like therapists yourself, aren't you? <laughs> We're, we Sometimes I feel like that. To we say bartenders are like we, that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, just last week, I had two different people messaging the the shameless Facebook account and um, and was explaining to them all kinds of things about the difference between swingers and poly and and what websites were good if you're looking for this and when, oh oh well you also want to learn how to tie rope okay well you can check out this book and this so that that happens a lot and. 
Um, I'm afraid sometimes people think we're we're not judging them, but almost like it becomes so normal for us that I, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. The um, well, the the fun ones are the people who come in and are uh, kind of. They kind of hang their head and they kind of speak in hushed tones. And I really want to learn about BDSM or I, um, I really want to talk to my wife about being poly or talk to my husband about being poly. And how do I do that? Um, okay. First of all, in about two minutes, speaking matter-of-factly to them, they realize, okay, I can, I can actually talk about this now and... It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I don't have to I don't have to be afraid. And so then we we just kind of try to be the you know, the ask Jeeves of um of human sexuality. Where where's a therapist? Jeeves, <laughs> where do you go for sex bondage? <laughs> and so we we lay out this buffet of information in front of them and say, "Okay, I'm actually imagining you guys as like, "Hey Siri right now." <laughs> like, "Hey Siri." <laughs> Hey, shameless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, and we say pick and choose. I mean, take a look at everything and pick and choose what works for you because everybody's different, and you're gonna you're gonna gravitate to different things than other people are. And so take a look at the whole shebang, and then pick the things that work for you. Well, one thing I think is really cool about what you guys are doing is that I think that people want to explore all these different parts of their sexuality, but the the most common way people can do it really is either through porn or the internet in some way. And not that those aren't great resources to some degree, but like you guys are actually offering a type of face-to-face space where people can talk to other people and actually see, oh, here are other people who might be interested in things. Maybe not everything that I'm interested, but I'm not just this weird person who has to hide online and like figure out who I am. Like there's there's a whole group of people who are interested and have a lot of sexual interests and desires and want to explore, but they also don't want to be so isolated that they have to just kind of, well, essentially hide in a cage. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I feel the same way. We, you know, with that's why we have so many discussion groups that meet at the shop because, you know, there is bound to be somebody at one of those groups that is into the same thing that you're into, and you know, and no one at this. You know, no one in the group is going to look at you like you're a complete freak and, oh, my God, what is wrong with you because you like having your toes sucked on. No, what's going to happen is three other people are going to go, oh, yeah, me too. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> toe-sucking group. Right. <laughs> Have you looked at this website? It's great. Um, and it's nice to be able to give people a safe place that they can do that. Yeah. One of the big uh, non-planned-for bonuses of that that I, I think happens is People get to learn how to interact with other people in real life face-to-face when talking about sexuality and their desires and what they want to have happen and learn how to do it in a non-creepy way. Learn Mm -hmm. how to have a little etiquette about it and, you know, find people who are interested in the same things. And if you're going to approach them, learn how to approach them without being over the top about it. And I think the the social interaction and learning about the the do's and don'ts of the social interaction is now you great. got me thinking about the creepiness thing because I think a lot of people are really like especially men. Men really hate the idea of feeling like a creeper, but they're mm-hmm. also sexually interested in women and men and other, you know, people of it's not all binary too. I know. So I have to be very <laughs> inclusive, right? right? Right. But the point is that like like how do you teach somebody to not be a creeper? Go. <laughs> 
Oh. And I'm putting all the pressure on you right now. You Fix talk the world. to David Wraith. <laughs> get him I to teach his. Him. You get him to teach his class. How not to be a creeper. <laughs> oh, really? He has a class how not he to be does. a creeper? Well, he that does. is so cool. Um, well, yeah. give me some sex highlights. Positive etiquette for men. <laughs> sex positive etiquette for men, yes. Don't come on too strong. Um, simply, um, it's perfectly okay in most of the sex positive social situations that uh, happen at our shop, at Sex Positive St. Louis, at other events that have a, a sex positive theme. It's perfectly okay to, to chat and say hi and... You, but you lead with, I'm, I'm, I find myself kind of interested in you. I think you're really attractive. Would you like to talk some more? You don't lead with, here's a picture of my junk. <laughs> what? Unsolicited mm. dick pics aren't a good thing? <laughs> Generally not. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, I, I, I'm going to paraphrase David um, in one of the lines he, he uses in his, I don't remember the exact quote, but one of the lines he uses is, I have never met the man who's gotten himself laid because of a dick pic. It's probably because it wasn't artistic enough. He needs to put it in a book. Because <laughs> then he's a learned penis. <laughs> Perhaps with some fruit, it becomes a still life. <laughs> exactly. It's like you, you kind of like subtly notice the dick kind of laying across the banana. Oh my God, I love that. We've totally got to do some new art in your place. <laughs> Artistic dick pics. <laughs> but even so, if you haven't asked, like to be fair, everybody... Even if it's a beautiful dick pic, if you haven't asked for it, you yeah. don't want to just randomly receive it. No, thank you. No. I'm good. No, no. No, no. <laughs> I broke the show. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Let's all come down. <laughs> but yeah, generally speaking, it's it's simply to not come on all guns blazing. You know, uh, find some common interests, make some conversation, um, and lead into... Uh, what you're interested in talking about. Make sure that you watch their body language. Make sure you read can the room. Read the room. And, if the person uh, has headphones in and is reading a book, if they're probably not very receptive. They're squeezing tightly, holding yeah. themselves right. in, completely like trying to get away from you at every angle. Right. Looking There's around for someone right. to come rescue them, you know. Well, so uh, we talk a little about about what might, men might be a little scared of as being a creeper, but I mm -hmm. wonder, what do you think women, like if they were coming to your shop, what what might they struggle with or be, you know, because like I think everybody, you know, if, if it's an individual, for example, mm -hmm. I think it's scary the idea of coming into, even though it's supposed to be a sex positive space, mm -hmm. it's still, I'm alone. Can I come up alone? Like, am I going to be, you know, I'm just curious. What do you think, what, what might fears might a female have coming into your shop, especially if she's trying to come alone? <clears throat> Um, it does happen. Um, we've, uh, we've received messages like that. One of the messages I got last week on Facebook was, you know, what events might I be feel a little more welcome at as a person by myself? Um, and I always suggest things like game night. Every Monday night we do games. And it, not sexy games. It's not people looking to play in quotes. It's Things like Settlers of Catan and Cards Against Humanity and Munchkin. Slow introduction and, to other people. <laughs> you know, just just board games, card games. Um, and that's always a good one for people to come into if they're nervous about being in the shop. Um, mm -hmm. When we get phone calls like that from, uh, from people that seem nervous about being there by themselves... We and the staff just try to let them know, like, it's just a coffee shop. It's a coffee shop. Come in, grab a seat, get a coffee. If anyone is making you uncomfortable, please tell one of the staff, um, you know, or if you're you're just feeling nervous, come up and talk to one of the employees. We're If we're not busy, we're happy to sit and chat and 
find out how your day is. Um, a lot of the time we do feel like bartenders because people just stand at the counter and want to know what's going on. Generally uh, speaking, we don't... It, the place has the standard coffee shop vibe, so people, when they come in, still have most of their societal uh, restraints about them. They don't just start hitting on people and uh, and um, treating the place like a meat market. Most of the time, people are in there, they're studying, they're laughing, they're chatting with friends, and all the social norms still apply. Nobody's going to hit on you um, without your... Uh, permission, really, because um, it, it just wouldn't be appropriate to do that in bread company, and it doesn't kind of it doesn't really feel appropriate to do that at Shameless. There is one night, and that's the swingers uh, meet and greet, where that's a little more prevalent, where people are there to meet people and to line up their next play opportunity, mm-hmm. and so there's a little more forward. Um, Oh, uh, flirting and um, overt flirting uh, there. But during the rest of the time, it's just a coffee shop. (laughs) Well, and I think um, for anyone listening here, it's important to know that it's really just a place where people are making relationships. Just feeling like they have a community and a sense of connection to other people close. Because I think that's a piece of this too, is feeling like you have a local community. I, I really... I don't know why I'm on this kick today, but like, I, I just feel like people are isolated and my own dating life is like, okay, I'm dating again. That's a thing. Um, <laughs> but do people do this now? How oh. do people do this? You know, it had been a long time. Um, but what's interesting is I've noticed this epidemic of men who just like hang out in their rooms and play video games and they're like online dating, waiting to find somebody to like take them out of their house. And I'm like, wait, is this what all of the men are doing right now? This is, I can't be everything for you. I have my own life. <laughs> How many snacks do I need to bring for you? I don't know. Well, and the weird thing is I see the opposite with the females that I'm, uh, you know, that are single and dating is they find themselves going out and trying to do girl things and and women. So, like, when I'm teaching my clients, I'm always like, you know, if you want to meet women, you really need to sing and dance. Like, that's where all the women are. (laughs) They're in the karaoke bars or they're doing some kind of salsa. Like, please, like, get the courage to go to one of these spaces. And for the women, it might be just go break into some houses. I'm sure it'd be fine. <laughs> they don't frown upon that at all. <laughs> Learn to play video games. Learn, Learn to play video games. Oh my video. gosh, that's totally yeah. Chatting online, it's just been interesting. <laughs> like I'm not much of a gamer, but almost all of the video games now are multiplayer online, and you're chatting with people online during while you're playing them. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a social uh, a social. Uh, interaction too. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's becoming a new way for people to meet. But I mean, back to your coffee shop, I think that that's one really cool thing that you guys are offering here is like, it's a local space where you can actually see a person and talk, get out of your house, maybe play a little Settlers of Catan. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do you guys have Stone Age? Because I think that's a better version. We do. Yes, <laughs> we do. And the gamers okay, I can, actually... I can promote you now. The gamers actually bring their own games too. So, I gotcha. along with all the shop games. Now, are there like clicks at all? Because sometimes even in game worlds, like, can you get... Get, like involved in somebody's game or are you going to feel like oh you guys oh, play you with can, me yeah people can totally get involved there is a core group um, they actually call themselves polygamerous because they polygamer. they love more than one game um, <laughs> and uh, yeah they have a Facebook page and everything but um, there's one core group that uh, they pick a game each month one night a month to kind of feature um, and so the, the majority of the people are playing that but yeah they uh, they love having new people join the group like I've seen people walk in, didn't even know it was a game night, and an hour later they're entrenched in some warfare 
with everyone else. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so I guess, you know, we're getting towards the end of the show. So I'm kind of curious, just like one last kind of final thought. Like, what, what would you say is, is one go- take home for our audience in terms of like what you've learned about owning this business or what you get out of doing what you do? That was a big loaded question, but hopefully that works out. <laughs> well, let's see. Wow. I really like asking questions that are just super hard to answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I feel like over the past eight years, I've been able to figure out who I really am, um, who I wanted to be, and who I am now. Like, who, you know, what's important to me um, in our relationship. Um, in uh, in just my general personality. Um, uh, wow. That's a really hard question, Angela. <laughs> I'm a therapist. I'm totally always wow. ruining people's lives. Wow. <laughs> totally I would, joking. I would say for me, and I, I think I'm headed in the same direction that you were headed. Uh, for me, I think the, the entire journey has kind of been a learning experience about... Um, Learning to learning what I want mm-hmm. and how to ask for it, um, and not not being ashamed of the things that I want that are maybe not traditional, uh, maybe not you know uh, husband and wife in bed with the lights off. Uh, in the missionary position, you know. Oh, it's uh, all about the don't sex. Want that. All, it's all about the sex. For no, you. It, uh, it transcends sex because I think when you start dealing with the sexuality uh, and the coming into it with guilt or stigma or shame, and I, I certainly did come into it with all of those things and learning to deal with that. I think you learn to communicate better because you um, you figure out what's important to you and you figure out that. It works best when you're able to express that to somebody else and, you know, kind of open yourself up and, uh, and share with them what you're actually thinking, whether it's about sex or anything else. That's one of the things he's learned. Have you thought of anything since listening to him? Big things you've learned in this process. Things I've learned. Um, free time is the most wonderful thing in the world. So is. Um, God, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't get much of it, and so I tend to really value the free time that I do get. Um, I have learned that uh, family and friends are even more important than I used to think they were. Um, again, like we've talked about, we we don't get to just hang out like most people do. Um, you know, we don't go out on Saturday nights because we always work Sunday morning. Um, so when all our friends that have normal jobs are out at the club, we're at home going, well, guess we better get to bed. Um, uh, I have learned what kind of boss I want to be. Um, it took it took a few years to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, how I want to treat the employees, how, you know, um, yeah, what kind of business I want to run. Um, yeah, we've learned a lot over the past eight years. And when you're working for the man and you're stuck in a cubicle and you're hating life, realize how lovely those paid vacation days are and insurance. the 401k is and your health insurance <laughs> oh. and all that stuff that you, uh, you're you stuck in the cubicle and you think your soul is dying, but 
<laughs> there are trade-offs. Soul-crushing death or freedom, <laughs> but then you have to do it all by yourself. So yeah. pros and cons. Yeah, being able to being able to say to someone else, "Hey, uh, we're you know we're out of paper," or my computer died, as opposed to, "Oh God, we're out of paper." Oh God, the computer died. We have to now replace that. Oh, everything's uh, falling apart. Right. <laughs> One of those fires. <laughs> One of those. I was fires. actually thinking about this in terms of the difference between owning having an apartment or a house. Actually, uh-huh. when mm-hmm. a house anything happens when it falls apart, it's all on you. But like in an apartment, it's like landlord, fix it. My right. life is over. Yep. So right. it just depends on your level of independence and how much you want to take on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much uh, for joining me today. Are there any? I always ask, are there any plugs you want to put in for either you know like your website or just upcoming events that are cool that people should look into? We're going to have a really cool pop-up shop on uh, June 8th at the shop that is going to be uh, an eclectic shopping experience. Have the the, uh, the artistic, the erotic, and the uh, handcrafted uh, all going to be there, and that, that will be a fun place to come and do a little shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Zana, <clears throat> who apparently has been on Dan Savage, uh, is going to be on the patio in June on a Thursday evening. Uh, we're still buttoning down the date but um yeah she's going to be there speaking so that's kind of cool what's the website to find you guys at shamelessgrounds.com all right so so simple thank you guys very much for showing up and of course you have been listening to www.aboutsexpodcast.com if you want to find me as a therapist visit www.therapistinstlouis.com and of course you can also check out my books helping couples overcome infidelity or premarital counseling at amazon Uh, Feel free to email your questions to aboutsexpodcast at gmail.com and we may answer them online. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu. Stay kinky, St. Louis.